Welcome, Fertility Sisters, to the True Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Nicole Trujillo, a wife, mom, and therapist turned fertility coach after a challenging seven-year journey to conceive. Join me for stories from those who've walked this path, tips for your fertility and IVF journey, and some fertility-related girl talk. So let's sprinkle some of that baby dust because it's time for True Fertility. Did you get married later in life? Did you still dream, though, about having a family despite the chances being slim? Have you ever had to consider the use of donor eggs or donor embryos? Or maybe you've suffered a loss and don't know how others made it through. Well, today I'm speaking with Laura Watson, a mom and fertility coach whose story is one of hope, loss, perseverance, and ultimately love. Regardless of your personal situation, if you are struggling to conceive, you are going to connect with Laura's story as she sheds back the layers and reveals all of the twists and turns that led her to her family of her dreams. Now, before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to offer my listeners an opportunity to snag my free class, Triple Your IVF Success with Less Stress. Inside this free masterclass, you'll receive two simple tools that you can start on today that have been proven to triple your success rates when trying to conceive. These tools not only help you boost your fertility, but also help you feel better now. So if you're looking to get your baby in your arms faster, reduce the number of IVF rounds, and ultimately save money, time, and energy, this is the tool for you. Go to www.leahnicolecoaching.com, that's L-E-A-N-I-C-O-L-E, coaching.com to grab this free class while it's available. Welcome to another episode of the True Fertility Podcast. Today, we are talking all about donor egg, donor embryo IVF. I am actually here today with my friend, Laura Watson. Laura, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so happy to be here. Love chatting with you anytime. Yes, definitely. So quick little intro on Laura. Laura is a fertility coach and mom to two donor-conceived children. Her personal journey included failed fertility treatments, several unsuccessful rounds of IVF, and three heartbreaking pregnancy losses before completing her family with donor egg IVF. She now supports women pursuing fertility treatments to build their families and help them find control, confidence, and joy in a complicated process. Laura founded her coaching services, Positive Fertility, in 2022. She is the author of the Positive Fertility blog, and was a featured author in the 2021 collaborative book, Infertility Success, Stories of Help and Hope for Your Journey. She lives in Boston, Massachusetts with her husband and two children. So again, welcome Laura to the show today. I also just wanna say, aside from that amazing background and introduction, Laura just is an all around warm, inviting, amazing person that you just can like, whenever I connect with her, I just feel this warmth oozing from her. 
And I just love being in the same little collaborative space with her when I can. So thank you so much for being here, Laura. What a nice compliment. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. so true, though. It really is. Um, you know what? When I first started doing this professionally, prior to that, I was coaching friends of friends, people who found my blog or what whatnot, and decided this is something I really want to pursue on a higher level. And when I was talking to someone about that, I said, you know, the thing is, I just, I have so much knowledge, so much information to share after my experience. And I think that I'm a pretty easy person to talk to. And when you're going through something like fertility struggles or pursuing donor conception, which is like a next level of trying to build your family, you really want to connect, right? You really want to find someone who gets it that you can talk to and that can offer advice, solutions where appropriate. And so, you know, I, that's what I want to be is that person that someone can connect with and feel understood, feel like they are not just, you know, talking to someone that totally doesn't get it to just to talk and I can provide a service for people who want really do need that connection. Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. And again, like nobody wants to go through infertility, but when, you know, you can basically take those lemons and then make lemonade essentially, you know, serve that lemonade, right, to other people who unfortunately are struggling, that's all we can hope for, right? Um, I just, I love that. And I'm so glad again that you're here today to share your wisdom with my audience. So before we get into it, I also want to ask you a little bit more about your story in just a second. I know we talked about the big picture of that, but I want to kind of delve a little more into the details and hoping that you can share that with us. But let's go ahead and have some fun questions before we get into that. Oh, let's have some fun. Yeah. So first off, do you have any unusual or unexpected hobbies? I don't think that my hobbies are particularly unusual. They're pretty standard hobbies. And as the mom of two little ones, I don't have a ton of free time that I want to have an opportunity to do something besides rest. Yeah. <laughs> but my go-to free time activity is reading. Reading fiction has always been where I go when I need to rest my mind. It's a, a very, I think, significant shift in my mindset when I can turn off any kind of stressors that are in my head and really escape into a novel or some sort of fiction. And if I was to like come up with a hobby, that it's, you know, reading is probably my number one. Um, so with reading then, what maybe is your favorite genre or what's a good book that you've read recently? Um, I had a, kind of blown my mind recently is Tom Blake. Um, Ann Patchett's one of my favorite authors. Now, I should say that the book is not like so dramatic or it's not suspense. It was just so beautifully written and lovely that I just really enjoyed 
every single page of it. And it was one of those books where after it was done, I was sad that it was over. You know, I was like missing the characters, a total book hangover. But that's <laughs> probably one of the ones that is really, I've really enjoyed recently. My latest read that I just finished the other day was an old collection of Stephen King short stories, which is so out of my comfort zone. Yeah. But I find him as an as a writer, his craft is inspiring that I try to read at least one of his works every year. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, mostly because of the craft. The stories themselves were pretty creepy, but, you know, I knew yeah. what I was getting into. <laughs> you definitely prepared by having all the lights on, I'm sure, in the home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is not a right before bed read. Oh, yeah, I'm sure not. <laughs> Cool. Thanks so much for sharing that. I have one more icebreaker question for us today. And we're going to go back into high school time. So I would like for you to kind of try to see what category in our traditional like movie, like idea of who people are in high school. Would you be basically a cheerleader slash mean girl? Were you a wallflower? Were you a goth? Were you a band geek? Were you a wannabe gangster? What was Laura like in high school? Theater geek, 100%. All the plays and any plays that I could do regionally. And then beyond that, I was captain of my high school dance team. So, wow. So you like had toes in both areas. I did. Definitely wasn't like cheerleader mean girl. I did have a great close group of friends that I'm so close with now. But we were kind of on the more chill side. We weren't partiers. We weren't, that wasn't our style, but, but we had, you know, we had plenty of fun, great memories. And yes, I love the stage. Oh, I love that. And I see that has in a way carried over to your love of appreciating the craft of, you know, of being an author. Yeah, really cool. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. Pleasure. So let's get a little bit back more into your story now before we open up the conversation into some questions about the donor egg process and that discussion. Um, of course. So I got married when I was 40. I had been with my now husband for several years, but we were just not in a place where it made sense for us to to get married. And I wasn't, I didn't want to pursue having a family before we were in the committed relationship that I was looking for. So we got married and we wanted to start a family right away. We knew that we wanted at least one child. And I mean, I knew the numbers. I knew that the data was not necessarily on my side in terms of conceiving naturally, but we certainly gave it a try. And I did go to visit and an OB they called it a preconception appointment where they tested my hormone levels and just did, you know, some basic blood work. They did just a general physical, just to see my health. And basically it was just see what we're up against. And I remember so clearly the doctor saying to me, I don't see too many women who get pregnant with their own eggs over 40. And I was like, oh, what? I knew that I might struggle, that I might need some help, maybe need some sort of treatment or medication, or I didn't really know much about the fertility journey then. But just the way she 
gave me, she said pretty much right away, you know, oh no, you're not going to be able to get pregnant is what I heard. And that really stung. But she gave me a business card for a IVF clinic and told me to call this particular doctor. And so I went home and I was crying, but I was like, I'm going to make this appointment. I'm going to need to see if, you know, what we can do. And all my life I had heard, oh, but you're so healthy. It's, you know, it's not going to be a problem. Oh, you know, like I look somewhat young for my age. And I think that people were like, oh, but you're young in every other way. So of course you're going to be able to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, So I saw this new doctor at the IVF clinic and he was hopeful for me. Let's give it a try. Let's you know check all the boxes. They did a two or three cycles on Clomid. I think I did two IUI cycles. And, you know, none of that worked. So I remember the phone call where he was like, okay, it's time to stop messing around. Let's, you know, we're going to go straight to IVF. And I was like, wait, are you sure? Have you tried everything? And he was like, yeah, you're 41 years old now. Like, let's, you know, it's time to bring in the big guns. So I remember feeling completely overwhelmed, but really hopeful. And doing the math, okay, like we're going to start the meds on this day and I'm going for my checkup on this day, potentially have the egg retrieval this day and maybe an embryo transfer this way and I'll be pregnant by spring or whatever. I was very hopeful thinking that this was the answer. We did a very standard protocol and I went in for the egg retrieval and they got three eggs. And that was disappointing, but I also wasn't really sure what that meant. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. just three eggs mean I'm going to have three chances? Like, that's not so bad. And all three fertilized, which was amazing. And probably the only piece of good news in this part of the journey that we got. And then after five days, we had one embryo that was potentially appropriate for transfer. We had that tested for chromosome abnormalities and it came back positive for one of the significant abnormalities. So we all decided as a team, this would not be appropriate for me to transfer that embryo. And we went and we started all over again. Yeah. The next cycle resulted in two eggs, one fertilized, but didn't make it to day five. The next cycle resulted in one egg. And I remember driving to that particular big retrieval in a snowstorm and saying to my husband, this is crazy. This is never going to work. I don't know what we're going to do, but I don't think that, I don't think that we're on the right path. And he was like, what do you mean? This is the plan. And we're like on our way to a procedure and you're going to be under anesthesia and you're taking all these medications. And I'm like, I know we had to, we have to try, but I do think it's time to start figuring something else out mm-hmm. um we had discussed prior to that nothing was off the table so donation was an option adoption was an option um potentially living our own lives child-free was an option and um, you know let's just continue to talk continue to go through and do what we need to do and work with the doctors and see what happens next 
I saw a second doctor just hear from someone else, what should we do next? This is after three failed egg retrievals. And he said to me, after looking at my results, after looking at my, my file, all my numbers, all of my blood work, and he was like, look, I'm not going to tell you to get pregnant because I don't know. I don't think that IVF is your answer. I don't think that going through the IVF procedure, taking these medications, doing the egg retrieval, I don't think that you have any better shot of getting pregnant via IVF than you do on your own. You're not responding to the treatments. Yeah. And that was hard to hear. But he also said... I want you to go home and maybe do some research on egg donation. And I remember feeling, oh, man, like, I didn't think that we would get to this place so quickly. I thought that maybe we should try, you know, maybe we should try another protocol. Maybe we should. And the doctors were totally on board with me trying another protocol if that's what I wanted to do. But I did a little bit of soul searching and came up with the fact that I want a baby. And he's right. Like, chances are that this, given my hormone levels, I have very low AMH, even particularly low for someone in their early 40s. Mm -hmm. But an AMH, as we learned, does not necessarily determine whether or not you can get pregnant. It does determine how you're going to respond, or I shouldn't say determine, I shouldn't, it does tend to reflect how you are going to respond to the standard IVF medication, stimulation medications that recruit the eggs. And sure enough, I wasn't responding. So I did a little soul searching. And like I said, I, I, I think after taking some time and taking a deep breath, and I thought to myself, I want a baby and I don't want to keep doing IVF. Mm-hmm. I want to get pregnant. And IVF, at this point, it does not equal getting pregnant. So I started doing my research on egg donation. And for me, it gave me a lot of hope. The more I learned about it, I started to feel less sad about having to go this route and more excited that this could be the answer. And Mm -hmm. this could be the way that we build our family. And after taking a little bit of time, I was able to kind of settle on that. This is it. And something kind of came over me where I was certain, this is how we're going to build our family. This is how I'm going to become a mom. And once that really sunk in, honestly, I didn't care that it was a donor. I didn't care that it wasn't my genetic material that was creating these children. I just want to be a mom. And I remember the phone call to the doctor and saying, I'm ready. Let's get started. This is it. This is how I'm going to get my baby. Mm -hmm. So we moved on to that path. And so that was, um, I feel like a a spring. And I had chosen a donor by the summer. She started her her process, including all of the testing and um, the workups and things like that. She was cycling by the fall and her egg retrieval, I want to say, was the, the last week of November. And I had a embryo transfer the first weekend in December and I was pregnant. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
for me, and I, sometimes this feels a little challenging when I'm talking to clients that are really struggling with the idea that they have to use a donor because I don't think I struggled as much as most people. I really wanted to be. Of course, it was hard to make that pivot. But once I did, it felt really good. And it was all good news after that, at least for the <laughs> for our first go around. It was all good news. Um, but I want to share something really poignant that my husband said to me during this process. When I was like, and I think I said to him, are you okay with the fact that they won't have my DNA? Is that okay mm -hmm. with you? And he said, yeah, you're, you're going to be the one to raise these children. Together, you and I will raise them, but like, you're going to raise them with that, your nurturing personality and your, your patience and your compassion and your general love for taking care of people. Yeah. You're just your soft, warm nature. That's, they're going to get all of that from you. That's not something that comes from DNA. It comes from being their mom. So they're still going to have all of the best parts of you. And then That's they will potentially also be good at math, which is not something I could offer them through my DNA. So that really stuck with me. I repeat it a lot. I share it a lot with my clients. That, that really helped me to make that shift and to know that, you know, that they're going to get so much from me. And they do. Yeah, there's, you know, there's so much in them that I see that they get from me and the way that I talk to them and the way that they love to read. My five and a half year old is learning to read is the coolest thing and he loves it. He's so excited. Now we read together at night and it's, this is something that I'm offering him. This is not that loving to read is in my, necessarily in my DNA and that's why he loves to read. It's because I've been reading to him since I was pregnant with him, pregnant with him. So. Wow. Yeah. So. After my son was born, he was probably, actually, he was nine months old, and I very surprisingly discovered that I was pregnant, that I got pregnant naturally and didn't know I was pregnant until I was experiencing the miscarriage of this pregnancy. So that was kind of a wake-up call for me. I remember thinking, like, oh, I get it, like... I can get pregnant. I just can't have a baby. And that was really difficult. You know, I, it was confusing. It was complicated emotionally. I think I started to develop some like odd guilt because I didn't know I, I didn't know I was pregnant. I didn't know that my body was trying to nurture a baby. I didn't know. And I wasn't doing anything that would have harmed the pregnancy. But I remember thinking, if I knew I was pregnant, would that have made a difference? The answer to that is no. It would not have made a difference. But that was the first time I had experienced pregnancy loss. And you know, I, I, how do I process this? Because I didn't even know I was pregnant. So I didn't have an opportunity to get excited yeah only to have that law I didn't can you lose something you didn't know you had I guess that was kind of the challenge that I was facing it did motivate me to 
begin talking to my husband about having another baby because I did want another baby. Yeah. And we went to the doctor. I remember saying, oh, by the way, I got pregnant. My doctor was like, you know what? That's not completely unusual mm-hmm. to once you're pregnant to your body. I don't know. I don't even know if this is a scientific fact, but it kind of like your body like figures out like, oh, we can make, we can do this. We can create life. But considering at this point, I was 43-ish and we're about to turn 43 with eggs that are 43 years old. And it's not surprising that I was not able to keep that pregnancy. So we decided to start and a, a second round of IVF with our same embryos that we had embryos from our first cycle with the donor. So now this is a different, completely different animal, right? I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I know how to prepare my body. I know mm-hmm. that there are certain things I want to do in terms of treatments and diet and taking care of myself to build my uterine lining. And I was felt so confident, like, okay, we're going to get pregnant again. Yeah. And so we did another transfer. And so at this point, my son, I guess, is, I guess, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling really confident. A week later, I tested and I was pregnant again. And I was like, I cannot believe how lucky we are that, that you know, second try and we're pregnant again. So excited. We're mm-hmm. having another baby. This is great. Mm-hmm. And was feeling all of those symptoms. I, you know, I was just had some food aversions. I had <clears throat> breast tenderness and all of the things. Mm-hmm. It was exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, my... HCG numbers looked awesome. We're having another baby. So I go in for the first early ultrasound and they had some concerns because they couldn't get a um, a consistent heart rate. And so the heartbeat was toggling between two very low numbers. And so the fact that the numbers were low was concerning and the fact that they couldn't get a consistent heart rate was also a mystery. But, you know, they asked me a lot of questions, like, have you experienced any cramping, any bleeding? And I'm just like, no. So I'm not concerned yet. Don't worry about it. It's still early. Let's come back next week. So mm-hmm. a week later, I go back. Another ultrasound. And the sonographer was very quiet and I was very scared. And I remember kept asking, like, can I see? Can I please see? And I said, I just, and I finally said, is there a heart, is there a heartbeat? And she said, there's a heartbeat. So I was like, oh, thank goodness. But she wouldn't give me the picture. She wouldn't give me any information. And so then they like shuffle me off to talk to a nurse practitioner. And she said, we have a surprise that the reason that we couldn't get a consistent heart rate, it was toggling between two heartbeats is because there's two heartbeats. And the, apparently the embryo split and you're carrying identical twins. Wow. And so I was completely dumbstruck. Yeah. Like, is, is this really happening? I remember looking at my husband and he had his head in his hands. Like he did not respond to this news well. And I was like thinking like, uh, how is the heart? Is the heartbeat good? Is it? And they were like, yeah, it looks pretty good. You know, it's, you know, low, but it's not that unusual for twins at this stage. And I was like, what did this happen? And isn't this pretty rare? And. My husband's still not talking. And I remember feeling like 
I, I should be relieved that I'm still pregnant. Mm -hmm. But this is a new pregnancy that I am not prepared for. And I went home and talked to my husband, who was just really overwhelmed by this. And I said, I'm scared. I don't, I'm scared that I am going to be in my mid 40s carrying identical twins. I'm scared that we are going to have three under two for a period of time. I am scared because this is not what we expected. And I'm very nervous that this is not over. Mm -hmm. And so we spent a week trying to stay positive, trying to assume that everything was going to be okay. I talked to my OB and she was seemed excited for me. And so it was like setting me up with a high risk OB as well. And I was like, everyone seems to think that this is going to be okay. I guess this is happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I just remember having like this, I felt the whole situation felt very happy and not, hey, let's go buy two of everything. Yeah. But we did spend that week trying to warm up to the idea that we were going to be a family of five and that we would have two babies. And we went in for the next ultrasound. And unfortunately, there was no heartbeats and no growth. And they were gone. I, it's one of those moments when you are told, I'm sorry, I don't see a viable pregnancy, that you end up reliving that moment. I have to assume for the rest of my life. I, it was, I didn't, even though I had my doubts and I was, you know, had all of these concerns, I couldn't believe it when she told me that I wasn't, I was no longer pregnant and that we had lost the babies. Um, I'm still struggling with processing that entire, that whole roller coaster. And um, I struggle with, again, the guilt. And I think that anybody that's listening or that has experienced pregnancy loss, it is just the guilt, regardless of whether you really do have something to feel guilty about. It is just an emotion. It's a feeling that goes along with it. Could I have done something differently? And for mm -hmm. me with this pregnancy, it was... And I get emotional saying this, but I think it's important to share. Did I wish them away? Did I not want this bad enough? Mm -hmm. Because I would take it all back. I would jump up and down and be so excited about this pregnancy. If I could change it, if I could, I would take it all back and be more positive and feel more confident if I thought that I could change the outcome. Yeah. But that's not how it works. We elected to have a D and C and the tissue was tested. There was a very significant chromosome abnormality with the embryo, which caused the embryo to split in the first place. It had actually mm -hmm. split a third time, creating a third sac. And this, it was multiplying due to this abnormality. And 
I didn't wish them away. This embryo was unfortunately sick and was not meant to be a baby or babies that I would hold. Mm -hmm. Still, this is a life moment that changed me forever. Yeah, I didn't sure. talk about it a lot. This happened right before Christmas. And my mom knew. And of course, my husband knew. But I didn't tell anybody. There's a few people that I think I shared when I found out that it was twins. And of course, I had to tell them. Unfortunately, we lost the pregnancy. But I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to share. I just, I was still responsible for offering my 18-month-old baby a magical Christmas. And that's all that mattered. And I don't think that I processed this traumatic event as well as I should. Mm -hmm. So that's something I continue to work on. And um, I, I think that it's as terrible and as traumatic as this was, it is something that helps me when I'm talking to clients that have also experienced loss because I'm not just somebody that has been through it. I'm still going through it. And I can say with confidence that we grow and we heal. But it is an experience like that is kind of tattooed on your heart. And so it, it just changed me as a person, I think. And like I said, I'm still working through it. I think we all are, you know, yeah. honestly. And I'm so sorry to hear about your loss with the twins. Yeah, what a roller coaster of emotions. Just hearing you're pregnant and hearing it's with twins and then having them, you know, gone. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. And I think it's only natural for that to still, you know, be heavy on your heart. And yeah, and yeah. You're, you're right. When I was still, I think, going to doctor's appointments and um, asking, when can we try again? That was the answer. If we can get pregnant, then I will feel better. We did take a break, and this is now the beginning of 2020. So we all know that in 2020, we all had to take a break from everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember calling and asking about the insurance approval for the next cycle and my husband was away in Switzerland at the time and I said am I gonna have get to have this next cycle and they were like we're taking it you know piece by piece but and everything is taking longer because of short staff because we're short staffed and mm -hmm. everybody else is short staffed and so getting ready for the next cycle took a little bit of time and I think that was honestly a blessing that we did have to take a little bit more time it forced me to just give my body some rest and give my heart and my mind some rest so we went in and we did another cycle that was also a loss that was a biochemical pregnancy where my hcg numbers were very low mm -hmm. and they were taking a very long time to go down to zero and so again i had to give myself a break and also process this loss which was you know also very sad, but different than the two losses before it. And mm -hmm. so I was really struggling. But I want to tell a quick weird story that I was in 
I was looking at, I had a, the list of the embryos that we had. Mm-hmm. And it, it seemed to me that the next embryo that they were going to transfer was 4AB. That was, you know, next on the list. Mm-hmm. And so I went in for the transfer and they told me that they had intended to put in a 4AA that I didn't even know that I had just kind of missed it on the list. But unfortunately, it didn't survive the thought. And so they were going, they have another beautiful embryo that they're going to transfer it to 4BA. And I was like, wait, I thought you were going to do the 4AB. Mm-hmm. But it didn't say me. I was just like, oh, okay. I'm sure the embryologist knows what she's doing. Yeah. So they transferred the 4BA and I came home and I was I said to my husband, they didn't put in the embryos that I thought they were going to put in. She was like, what, it, what does that even mean? Did you like, did they put in the wrong embryo? And I don't know. Should the embryologist knew what she was doing? And I don't really know how that works. I actually mm-hmm. end up doing some research and talking to my nurse. And it may, did make sense that she opted for the 4BA before the A4AB. But I just remember being like, that's weird. That's not the embryo that was going in. And as I mentioned, the transfer resulted in a biochemical pregnancy and an early loss. And then after I was able to heal from that, and the numbers went down to zero and took a break. I was starting to prepare for yet another embryo transfer. And this time I was certain it was going to be the 4AB. And I said to my acupuncturist, and I don't know about others, but my acupuncturist doubles as my therapist sometimes. Where was she is treating me? I just talked to her about everything that's on my mind and was telling her this. And I was like, just have a feeling that the 4AB is my baby. And I'm scared to think that way because what if they transfer the 4AB and I have another loss and will I be extra sad because I thought I, I don't kind of built like a connection with this in reality. She said, I don't know that's how it works. I think that if this transfer doesn't work out, you're going to be devastated. It's going to be really sad. I don't think you're going to be more sad because you have kind of, decided that this is the embryo yeah. that you feel so strongly about. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And I'm just going to believe in this embryo. And so we went in for yet another embryo transfer. They did put in that 4AB and I, I got pregnant and my daughter was born in June of the following year. So you know, there are theories, I guess, a little bit that a little bit more woo-woo than what tends to be my my strategies but there is a theories about spirit babies and I do feel strongly that she was always the baby that I was meant to hold and you know I look at her sometimes and no she's now two and a half and I was like there was no stopping you like you needed to be on this earth and you were here and look out. And it's really hard sometimes to wrap your head around this concept, right? That, of course, the trauma of losing those, the three pregnancies, more specifically the twins. I would, I would change that, I guess, if I could. But this is what had to happen to bring this little girl here. And so it's so tricky, but we have to 
you know, find ways to take care of our heart and to make sure that we try to find some sort of peace in the circumstances that we are dealt with. Because at the end of the day, I do believe that these are the children I was meant to have. And, and after all of this, to I just learned so much along the way. And I continue to learn and learn so much about like how to take care of myself, how to find ways to feel confident, feel strong, to feel empowered in something as complicated as fertility treatment that I couldn't just let it end once I had my babies. Yeah. Which motivated me to help other people. And I started doing that by writing. So I wrote my story. And before Quinn was born, I wrote the story about how my son was born, about how we conceived my son. And once I could have put that out into the universe, which was really scary, like I'm putting it on the oh. internet, that my children are donor conceived. That was, you know, very vulnerable, very scary. But so worth it when people started to contact me. Can I share my story with you? Can I talk to you about what we're going through and see if you have thoughts? I just want to connect with someone that has gone down this route like that before. And uh, so all of that, all of these things, the good, the bad, the roller coasters led me to here where I'm now raising these incredible children and supporting other women that are on a similar path. And it's like, all right, this is how it was supposed to be. Yeah. And I think, you know, in the midst of that, we often can't see that. It oh, just yeah. feels like, why is this happening to me? When is this ever going to end? Is there ever going to be this, you know, happy ending almost that we had envisioned? And oftentimes it doesn't look like the way that we had originally thought it was supposed to be. And we often struggle against it. Yeah. But when we're there, yeah, like you just said, this is actually how it was supposed to be. And in a weird way, again, you're never glad for any losses or any of the struggles. But again, it can lead to your own personal growth and put you in a better position to better serve others who are also going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Laura. That, um, you know, I'm sure has really touched the hearts of so many of the listeners. And I really appreciate you being so raw and authentic and sharing all of the, you know, anecdotes and personal triumphs and sorrows. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you for allowing me to share these stories, information, and tips with you, or really just allowing me to connect with you on a subject that's so dear and important to your life. I really hope that somewhere out there was able to reach one of you and to let you know that, again, you're not alone on this journey. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and do me a solid and share this with your friends or anyone that you think might benefit from hearing this. Also, I'd love it if you could leave a rating or review from wherever you're listening. If you have any questions or you want to share anything about what you heard today with us, please leave a comment on YouTube or Spotify. And for a deeper dive on today's episode, bonus content, and to connect with others in this space, 
I invite you to join True Fertility Tribe Facebook group. And last but not least, let's be friends on Instagram where I post almost daily. You can find me at True Fertility. Wishing you all baby dust. Till next time. Bye.